Hello, and welcome to another episode of Don't Fuck With The Original. I'm your host, Casper. And I'm your other host, Becky Gremlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... (laughs) 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 Wednesdays are for podcast. I'm I'm not going to... Okay. I'm not doing all that. <laughs> anyway, so what's up, guys? Feels like it's been forever since we've done a podcast when actually it's been shorter than a week. <laughs> yes, because we released the last one last Friday instead of Wednesday. Mostly because I started a new job this week and I'm in like a twilight zone right now. So like nothing, nothing is as it seems and everything is weird. And it's just, it's been a lot for my poor brain. So I want to give like super duper huge props to Becky for helping with the research on this one because I am like, (laughs) I'm just not on planet earth. I'm tired. I love the new job. I genuinely love it. I love the people. The atmosphere is great. And I love the job. It's just when you sort of start learning something new, it's exhausting. And I have just been absolutely exhausted and Becky has really picked up the reins and made the, she made the notes and she's done everything. And I just appreciate her a lot. So give a round of applause for Becky. I love you. (laughs) It's actually picking up. That's hilarious. You can't see what that was. That was Chucky. Chucky's sitting in my lap right now because right now he is staying with Becky and I miss him. And he's sitting in my lap right now because I miss him a lot. And it's been four days. I'm yeah, really he's, fine. <laughs> he's been my he's been my little emotional support dude. Uh yes, and it's been it's been like not a problem taking over. This has actually been like really fun. This is this is an interesting place to do a podcast episode about the Queen Mary itself because not only is it a building that like it's not even a building, it's a ship first of all. Can we just talk about that? Like well, ship. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a bullshit. It's a bullshit. Um, <laughs> it's the, yeah, it's kind of one, it's, it's crazy because it was built, you know, in terms of like 20 years after the Titanic by the same uh, shipping company. And it's kind of crazy to think of it in terms of the Titanic, but it's like, if there's not many of those ships still around that, let alone you can actually tour and and even stay in, but that's also purported to be haunted. So um, it was actually a lot of fun. It was fun doing research about this one. Like I did do some I research, learned, but I didn't get to do as much. And I, I did... learned way more about it than what I thought I knew. <clears throat> so that was even more interesting. Rewatching the Ghost Adventures episode was fun. I did enjoy rewatching that. That was incredible, and we'll. Uh, I hope you guys have actually seen that. I know we've referenced Ghost Adventures a bunch on the show. Um, but that episode, I feel like, is probably one of the scariest ones they ever, 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 ever had. We'll definitely get into that when we talk more about the haunting part of it. But yeah, we do definitely want to jump into the history. Also, um, for those of you who did not see my Twitter post, I would just like to publicly say to not go see The Turning. Don't. 
Because I know we kind of talked a little bit about the grudge last week. Because we had, we, did we? Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did, yeah. We saw um, the grudge, we saw. So, definitely, that movie wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. Like, we gave it a five. I literally only give The Turning a two just because of the little girl's performance. Because she she really did a good job. Mm-hmm. Poor thing didn't have anything to do with the writing. <laughs> she she had nothing to do with that. But she did a really good job. And honestly, Finn Wolfhard did a good job playing an asshole. But they just, they fucked up. They fucked up real bad. So just don't, don't waste your money. Don't go see that movie. And if you do eventually want to see it, just rent it or wait until someone else owns it and then borrow the dvd (laughs) i just you know i don't i think even editing it could come down to who sometimes a lot of movies can come down to who who wrote it and then how the script itself was played out by the actors by the director and then from there ultimately who edited it and if it wasn't cut together properly. So it could have been that. Because I just, I find it hard to believe that the people that wrote the Conjuring script are the same people that wrote this piece of garbage. Well, I'll just put it to everybody like this. There's only ever been one other movie that I've seen that I've wanted to walk out of the theater on. And this was the second one. So, yeah, that's... Like, if I would have been watching it at home, do you guys ever start, you get on Netflix and you're like, eh, I'll try this movie, and then you end up, like, part of the way through it, and you're like, oh, God, I just can't. I can't. I would have done that. Had it not been in the theater, I would have stopped watching it. Well, it and all I'm going to so say, terrible. too, is, like, people probably are going to, I think the only thing that keeps you watching it is you're like, okay, not to give away a lot, but it's one, you think, like, oh, Okay, well, surely something's going to happen after this. We'll get an explanation. Okay, well, well, surely something will happen after this. Well, okay, now wait. Now, surely something's going to happen after this. And then, and nothing happens. And then end. And and then then it's over. My favorite review was, I saw the turning and it was... That was the best fucking review I saw. There was no end. There was no end. And honest honest to God, there was no ending. There was no ending. They ran out of ideas and just was like, I'm, we'll just stop I'm it. still trying to figure out what that movie was about. <laughs> Someone asked and me, they're like, been... what was it about? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there was this girl and she was seeing some, it's been some things four, at a house. It's been four days and I'm still like, I have no idea what that movie's about. I don't even know. I was I like, there was know. this girl and My husband kids asked me, and... he's like, I, I called him and I told him, I, got, I was like, movie... He's like, well, what was terrible about it? I'm like, I don't even know. When someone says what was the movie about, you've seen it, and you're like, I don't know. There's a problem with that. It was terrible because I don't know what I watch. And I think I agree with you. I'm giving it a hard two. And that is only because of the acting performance of that little girl. Because I really... I want to see her in more stuff. I liked her I really liked her. Yeah. And that old bitch got it. But anyway, uh, and, sorry. Uh, but, yeah, that was like, but otherwise that, mm. Someone else said something like, amazing performance by, what was her, what was her name? 
the little girls the little girls specifically uh excuse me my god guys (laughs) all the belching i'm full of carbonation Um, tonight brooklyn prince Someone was like, she I loved Flora. the amazing performance by Brooklyn Prince and Finn Wolford and Mackenzie Davis screaming or something. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, whoa. Um, <laughs> that's, that is rough. Uh, There's like four people in this movie. Yep. She's only nine years old. Oh. She's absolutely adorable. I love her. I want to see her in more stuff. She is so freaking cute. I want to see her in a movie with the girl who played... Um, and Ouija, um, the little girl from Ouija. Of course, she's probably older now, actually. Oh, the one that's in um, she's the haunting of Hill House. Creation. Yes, and the yeah, okay. Her and then um, we need to see them in something. The better. other little girl that actually plays Annabelle. She was real young, and she's coming to Horror Hound this year. I don't remember her name, and I don't remember how old she is, but she's real young, maybe eight, nine years old. It was, it was a, she, or she specifically was an example of how a kid can work in a horror movie like that. She did a great job. Great job. But yeah, for anybody's thinking that, for anybody thinking this is going to be like the others or for anybody who read The Turn of the Screw, it's, it's not, and it's not. And it's, it's, it just don't waste your money. Just it. This one girl was like, so... I watched this movie and then thought it was going to be some kind of like social commentary and then it wasn't. <laughs> and she just kind of stopped. She's like, and it wasn't. And that's about it. And that's literally it. So. And she just paused and then she's like, yeah, so anyway. And I was like, <laughs> and then it wasn't. Yeah. And so anyway. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. Like, don't waste your fucking money. That was probably the worst movie of the decade, and it's the first month of the new decade. Finn Wolfhard is going to be in the new Ghostbusters movie, so he has time to redeem himself. Um, Hey, I see where he was going with this movie. He was trying to play a hard-ass character and kind of get away from that whole little kid Stranger Things vibe, and I totally get it, but um, it it just was not the right setting and not the right movie. But hey, swing and a miss. Everybody gets one in their career. It happens. Everybody He'll has bounce that back from movie. it. The kids, what, he's like 16, fucking 17 years old. Yeah. These kids have years of careers in front of them. If they get a couple oopsie daisies, what the fuck ever, they're still going to make money in the bank. Money in the bank. <laughs> I mean, Way more funny than the I entire fucking imagine. Twilight cast hate their entire the career that they did that. But guess what? They're all in, well, two of them. Three of them are actually, like, four of them. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Quite a few of them. The woman who plays go. the mother, the mother Colin, Esme, I think that's her name. She's doing all kinds of shit from with Mike Flanagan now. And then you have um, Kristen Stewart, who's doing horror, and she's kicking ass at it. Um, Robert Pattinson, who's doing a bunch of different stuff now, and he's kicking ass. He's going to be the new Batman, for fuck's sake. Which I'm st- I don't know how I feel about that still. I don't want to talk so, about that. So, um, um. <laughs> and also Edward Cullen, Edward Cullen, um, Dr. Cullen, I can't think of his name. Was just in Countdown. Was in Countdown. Which, can I say, for the record, 
was one of the best horror films from last year, and I wish I would have fucking seen it sooner because I would have added that good. to my list. It was good. It it definitely knocks one of my best of 2019 off the list. I don't even know which one, but it knocks one of them because it was really fucking good. And I'm sorry, one of my favorite comics is in it too. So I'm a little impartial. I've seen him live. Good, I've seen him live twice. I'm gonna see him live again this year. <laughs> so it but it but good. even if you didn't know who he was, it was just a really good movie. And it tied in like paranormal with technology. It was literally so Final well. Destination mixed with one missed call. Oh my god, that priest too. He was like, God damn it. Sorry. <laughs> with a little bit of a religious kick, and I it loved was, it. Oh, which was and it was, it was done perfect. so well. It really was. I actually really liked so it. So well. Yeah. I could I could watch it again. I could watch it See, again. See, this is what I need to do, though. I need to go into a movie with no expectations like I did with yeah. that one. And then I'm, like, blown the fuck I away. I had no expectations whatsoever with that movie because I was like, this could either be great or this could be terrible. It's whatevs. And it ended up being so good. And I really, really, really enjoyed it. I think that movie's going to fall under a comfort movie category for me. Oh, for sure. Yeah, same. Because it reminds me of Unfriended. And Unfriended same. is... I love Unfriended. So much. I, I didn't like Unfriended because I wanted everybody to But die. they do. And it, but they yeah, do. And, they, and it was pretty great. And the one, the guy that gets his head fucking in the blender. Oh, and all... okay. All right. All right. That was pretty great. And then you find out that the cunt who made the video the whole fucking time yeah was the main girl who was like but we were friends and she's like bitch and then you she ruined died. my life and then the demon came for her and killed her <sighs> okay maybe i kind of liked <laughs> okay also maybe, maybe it was, i sort of low-key liked it it was really good because i saw it in the theater and seeing the entire that was the first time i ever saw an entire movie from a computer screen and it was so neat the way that was done it was hard for me to get at first, just, I think, more from my age range. A lot of it was it hard sense. for me to get. And again, all of the characters were so insufferable. It was kind of like Fear the Walking Dead. By the end of it, I wanted everybody to die. And they did, and great. But now looking back, I think I need to watch it again, because you're absolutely right. Those kills... The kills were great. Were really spot on, especially the blender one. And the fact that I I sometimes like movies where just everybody dies. I like movies that end like that, where there's literally no happy ending. Fuck all of you. Everybody's dead. Bye. Credits. And you're like, yes. Especially when you want everyone to die. Right. And, <laughs> well, there again, like I wanted everybody to die and they did. And it was like, and the kills were good. They were, the kills they were, were really solid. solid. They were solid. Original. Any? Can I just say for the record, any blender kills? We need more blenders. We need more blender kills. You know what we need? Blenders. We need more blender kills. I feel like a blender is a very, a blender, a chopper, a food mixer, a Why processor. Why does it heat out of the event? I feel like I feel those like this one are do that. very underrated kitchen utensils that are not used. Very often in a horror. Stove. And I feel like Unfriended and Your Next are the only two that, that I've seen recently that's used them. And I think more movies should use them. I'm just throwing, I'm just, I'm just. I really feel like Chucky would have utilized the blender by now. that out there. You know? Any of them. A food processor, food chopper, whatever. Any of those. Please. 
That's what a next movie should... Another, a new movie should be like, grab the nearest appliance. Yeah. Kind of like the Velcro experiment. And just go ape shit. Kind of like the Velcro experiment. God, that movie was great. The movie is so good. So So underrated. Oh my God, if you work in an office, see that movie right now. (laughs) Like... Right now. I love our movie rants at the beginning. Now. We're just always um, like, let's rant about movies for a hot minute before we get into the real well, podcast. we also want to give people a chance that if they've never seen it, like, I get, I don't listen to critics. I listen to people, I, I listen to friends or people that I trust when it comes to movies. Yep. And nine times out of ten, they're pretty fucking spot on. And, okay, sorry for that weird random Break noise sound coming from inside my house, like what the fuck. But um, I like I don't take critics. Critics and people that I know are completely one side of the spectrum to the other, and I've always trusted people that I know with movies over critics. And like I said, nine times out of ten are pretty spot on. So I like to give our uh, opinions on stuff because if people have seen, if people have listened to us before in the past and have trusted our opinions, then I'm I'm willing to give it to to at least save you Money. fucking twelve dollars for. I had multiple people on my my Twitter. They were like, "Thank you for saving me the money." Because yeah. they were like, "We trust your Don't. your judgment." Just, just mm-mm. wait till it's on Redbox and get it for a buck fifty. Carl's like, "I trust your judgment until you say the new carry is better," and I'm like, "Why do you always bring that up?" <laughs> Look. <laughs> It's a friends, generation thing. Friends okay. can have differences, and there's also <laughs> generational gaps. So you need to understand that and be. Just, I love the original Carrie. Be I just understanding, Carl. Better. Be understanding, Carl. Just Jimmy from the L Word sucks. You're welcome, <laughs> Carl. Everybody else is like, okay. <laughs> all of you out there that know Jenny from the L Word, yeah, you all are like that fucking bitch. <laughs> We all hope she's actually dead. And then for everybody, <laughs> okay. everyone starts Googling Jenny. Yeah, from there the you L go. Word. Everybody's Jenny from the L word. All of a sudden, her, she spikes in Googles and they're like, oh, she's hot. No, stop it right now. She's like, just watch the show. Anyway, go watch the L word. Anyway, all you um, horror fans, go watch the most watch soap opera lesbian show. About show. Lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I was going to say, whoever wants to... You may start. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Whatevs. What, how about Chucky um, starts? Right, no. Here. He's just going to smack the notes into his face. He's just going to be like... <laughs> that was terrible. That was... That was so oh, God, that was... <laughs> sorry for any... Sorry for your dress. I cannot cackle like he can. I am not... I am not very good in my chucky cackle i'm sorry yeah we don't we don't want to literally hear his cackle like don't don't actually like don't you like, he's sitting sigh. in my lap right now i'm gonna need you're you like not sigh that. right that's what i said that's why i said that. well um i'll go over a quick overview really quick like because it's just kind of well it this is pretty much kind of like a summary that kind of goes into the history of the ship itself um it's considered the rms queen mary which is a royal royal majestic steamer um it's a retired british ocean liner that sailed primarily on the north atlantic from 1936 to 1967 
For the Cunard line, also known as the Cunard, that is such a hard word for me to pronounce for some reason. Yeah, White it Star looks like line. Cunard. Yeah, and it's actually pronounced Cunard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when the vessel entered service and built by John Brown and Company in Clydebank, Scotland. Queen Mary, along with the RMS Queen Elizabeth, were both built as part of the Cunard Plan two ship weekly express service between Southampton, Cherbourg, and New York. The two ships were a British response to express superliners built by German, Italian, and French companies in the late 20s and early 30s. Queen Mary, I have to say 1920s now. Sorry, I keep forgetting we're in the 2020s, and you have to be careful when you say 20s now. Yeah, but it's the late 20s, and so we're not there yet. The 1920s and 2020s. Queen Mary sailed on her maiden voyage on May 27th of 1936 and won the Blue Ribbon that August. She lost the title to the SS Normandy in 37 and recaptured in 1938, holding on until in 1952 when it was taken by the new SS United States. With the outbreak of World War II, she was converted into a trooper ship and ferried Allied soldiers during the conflict. Following the war, Queen Mary was refitted for passenger service and along with Queen Elizabeth commenced the two-ship transatlantic passenger service for which the two ships were initially built. Uh, the ships dominated the transatlantic passenger transportation market until the dawn of the jet age in the 1950s. Uh, by the 60s, the Queen Mary was aging and was operating at a loss. After several years of decreased profits for the Cunard line, Queen Mary was officially retired in 1967. She left Southampton for the last time on Halloween of 1967 and sailed to port in Long Beach, California, uh, where she remains permanently moored to this day. The ship serves as a tourist attraction featuring restaurants, a museum, and a hotel, and is also listed on the National Registry of Historic Places. Um, and the National Trust for Historic Preservation has accepted the Queen Mary as part of the Historic Hotels of America. It's pretty fucking cool, though. Like, when you really sit and think about it, that you can stay in it. That's pretty fucking... What, haunted or not, you can stay in a really fucking old ship. Yeah, that was built in the 1930s. That's I mean, pretty fucking cool. that, you know, basically for the time that it was... It was originally supposed to be a transatlantic trans passenger ship, ship much like the Titanic was, um, until it was called in World War II to be used as a warship, um, and then basically went back to being a passenger ship. ship. So that's the cool thing Passive about it. That's the cool thing about it is that <laughs> you're actually able to stay on a ship that was very similar to the Titanic in modern times where you can actually stay in a state room that was very similar to a time when ships like that, like, you know, was mentioned before the 1950s and sixties when you were able to actually fly in big Boeing jets and that kind of took over transportation because you were able to get, get to places faster by flying. Um, prior to that, especially in the 1910s, 1920s, 1930s, um, big liner passenger ships were all the rage because they were just uh, very luxurious, pools, swimming pools. I mean, whatever the latest Turkish baths, uh, big elaborate state rooms, exercise rooms, big ballrooms, bands, whatever, like whatever the latest and greatest um, in technology they would have to keep up with the times. Um, and people were willing to pay for it. And it was, 
the only transportation that people had if they wanted to travel back and forth between um, other countries, specifically Europe and the United States. So um, especially from places like Italy and France, where uh, a lot of people from the U.S. Um, that were, you know, obviously rich, more wealthy, had more money, would do a lot of, you know, hotel magnets, restaurants, would do a lot of business back and forth um, transatlantically with uh, those countries, too. So I'll read this part. <laughs> You're like, I got this. I got, I got it. Me and me and the Chucksters. <laughs> when she sailed on her maiden voyage, oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Already, here we go. Maybe he me with my read me it. with my maiden sip, maiden sip, maiden sip voyage from Southampton on May twenty seventh, nineteen thirty six. She was commanded by Sir Edgar Britton, who had been the master designate for Co- it's Cunard, right? Yeah, White Star. Whilst the ship was under construction at the John Brown Shipyard. Queen Mary measured 80,774 gross registered tons. That's a lot. I could lift it. Her rival rival Normandy, which originally grossed 79,000 tons, had been modified the preceding winter to increase her side to 83,000 and therefore reclaimed the title of the world's largest ocean liner from the Queen Mary, who held it for a few weeks. Queen Mary sailed at a high speed for most of her maiden voyage to New York until heavy fog forced a reduction of speed on the final day of crossing, arriving in New York Harbor on June 1st of 36. Among facilities available on board, Queen Mary... I'm sorry, I put the punctuation in the wrong spot. (laughs) (laughs) We've done that before, and it's like, wait, this is going to change the total tone of the whole sentence. I was like, among the facilities available on board, Queen Mary... No. Among facilities available on board Queen Mary, the liner featured two indoor swimming pools, beauty salons, libraries, and children's nurseries for all three classes. That's a lot for one ship, dude. Mm-hmm. A music shoot, a music studio and lecture hall. Tele- shoot, shoot, shoot. <laughs> shoot, baby, shoot. And lecture hall, telephone connectivity to anywhere in the world, outdoor paddle, tennis courts, and dog kennels. The Jesus. The largest room on board was the cabin class, first class, main dining room, grand salon, spanning three stories in height and anchored by three by wide columns. Take out three. I don't know why I put three there. The ship had many air conditioned public rooms on board. The cabin class swimming full pools. Swimming I am so pool. sorry. <laughs> this swimming pool facility. <laughs> you know, I wonder, I just want to know how aggravated people get when I read. Because I can't. <laughs> and I aggravates me. So I'm only like, these people are probably listening to this bullshit. And like, Casper, get it together. Swimming fool. <laughs> or if you're if you're used to it by now, you're cackling. You're just like, oh, Casper's reading. Yay. You're cackling like I am. God. Swimming pool facilities spanned over two decks in height. This was the first ocean liner to be equipped with her own Jewish prayer room. How cool is that? Part of the policy to show that British shipping lines avoided the... Anti-Semitism. You're Evident at that time. I can't even read swimming pools, You're so like, clearly I need help. Like, I need help with the anti-Semitism. Evident at that time in Nazi Germany. So yeah. I was interesting to mention, too, real quick, um, that the pools itself 
are a big area of where a lot of paranormal activity happen on the ship now to this day. So they I just, just want to They that... just want to swim for the rest of the, <laughs> that's that's, what I was gonna... They just want to go swimming. That's what I was going to say. I was like, I just think that's quite interesting that that seems to be where a lot of activity seems to take place. You know right what happens when they die? Pools. They said, you know what you got to do when life gets you down? When you, when you die, you know what you got to do? Just, just keep swimming. swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Even swimming, in swimming, death. Swimming. Keep swimming. What do we do? We swim. Ho, 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 ho. When you... In late August of 1939, Queen Mary was on a return from New York to Southampton. The international situation led her led to her being escorted by the battlecruiser HMS Hood. She arrived safely and set out again for New York on September 1st. By the time she arrived, the Second World War had started and she was ordered to remain in port alongside Normandy until further notice. In March of 1940, Queen Mary and Normandy were joined in New York by Queen Mary's new sister ship, Queen Elizabeth. Fresh from her secret dash from Clyde Bank. The three largest liners in the world sat idle for some time until the Allied commanders decided that all three ships should be used as troop ships. Normandy was destroyed by fire during her troop troop ship conversion. Queen Mary left New York for Sydney, Australia, where she, along with several other liners, were converted into a troop ship to carry Australian and New Zealand soldiers to the United Kingdom. In the Second World War conversion, the ship's hull, superstructure, and funnels were painted by na- were painted navy gray, painted by navy gray. As a, <laughs> as a result of her new color, in combination with her great speed, she became known as the Gray Ghost. To protect against magnetic mines, a degaussing coil. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I was actually oh, sorry. <laughs> again, was fitted a degaussing coil was fitted around the outside of the hull. Inside state room furniture and decoration were removed and replaced with triple-tiered fixed wooden bunks, which were later replaced by standy fold-up bunks. From July... From July... <laughs> That's a lot of emphasis on that month, specifically. <laughs> I like saying it. I was like, from July... <laughs> Uh, I swear we're not drunk. Okay. I swear to drunk I'm not God. <laughs> From July... To... <laughs> uh, from Chucky's July... like, seriously. <laughs> He's so mad at me right now. <laughs> from July 20th to 30th of 1943, Queen Mary carried 15,740 soldiers and 943 crews, so a total of 16,683, oh, a standing record for the most passengers ever transported on one vessel. I remember Titanic was 2,200, and it's sad that I remember how, or how I remember that. It's because I remember the line from the movie when he says 2,200 boards, souls on board, sir. That's how I remembered it. Not because I'm, you know, I read the history. I just remember it from the stupid movie. Well, that that doesn't count uh, crew. So if you right. counted passengers. Because there was always a mix-up in numbers because there wasn't a decent enough count of third class. And then there was such a varied number of <clears throat> crew as well, especially if you counted anybody that worked below the ship that was 
manning it with the coal and whatnot because they died with the ship. They're the ones, they were kind of the unsung heroes as far as I'm concerned because they were the ones that kept the lights on, kept the Marconi system running to be able to get the SOSs out there because they constantly kept feeding coal into the ship until they just couldn't do it anymore. Um, So the running total, if you count crew plus passengers on board, was a little over 2,300. It sometimes varies between 2,345 and like 2,355, but it was kind of... Around that. Yeah. So it was more like 2,300. So to go from 2,300 passengers down to 705, because there were 711 that made it off the ship, but six died on the lifeboats before they were picked up by the Carpathia. So that's a huge... I mean... But you also got to think in terms, too, with this one, when they go into, like, the amount of, so the Queen Mary, when it was a passenger liner, would have been able to hold about as much, if not obviously more. But, I mean, with soldiers, it was a different story because of the way it was outfitted. But when it was a passenger liner, uh, they had more lifeboats, too. So that was another, that was a huge thing with Titanic was... That's why I said no that I knew you way. Know. There was no <laughs> way with that many people on that ship, there should have only been 12 fucking lifeboats. I mean, that is just, that is, that's still to this day is just the dumbest fucking thing. And yeah, then but God still, himself could not sink the ship. Right. She's made of iron, sir. I assure you, she can. <laughs> I love that fucking one. But the ship can't sink. <laughs> She's been of iron, sir. I assure you, she can. <laughs> during this trip, while 700 miles from Scotland, during a gale, she was suddenly hit broadside by a rogue wave that might have reached a height of 92 feet. An account of this crossing can be found in Carter's book. It was calculated later that the ship rolled 52 degrees and would have capsized had she rolled another 3 degrees. That would be terrifying oh, as fuck. Oh my god, I couldn't imagine 16,000 people on a fucking ship and that damn thing cocks 52 degrees about blips all the way over. I would have barfed. I, I would have been scared of barfing. And like puke everywhere. Everyone's barfing, everyone's scared. <laughs> my terrified screaming and barfing. They're just scarfing. 16,000 people scarfing. Smoshing. <laughs> From September 1946 to July 1947, <laughs> Queen Mary was refitted for passenger service, adding air conditioning and upgrading her berth configuration to 711 first class, formerly called cabin class, 707 cabin class, formerly called tourist class, and 577 tour class, formerly third class passengers. Following refit, Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth dominated the transatlantic passenger trade as Cunard White Star's two-ship weekly express service through the latter half of the 1940s and well into the 50s. I need to clear up something real quick, too. So, back in the early 1900s, prior to, back when Titanic, uh, Olympic, um, and then you had the Britannic and the, the Lusitania and those ships, so there was the Cunard line and then there was the white star line so they were actually two different shipping lines and then uh not long after the titanic um sinking because all of those ships from that time all ended up succumbing to like olympic eventually sank we all know what happened to the lusitania with the torpedo and whatnot in the war so even though that was a cunard line ship um when white star more specifically after titanic went bankrupt Cunard bought them out 
So it became the Cunard White Starline. I just wanted to preface that in case anybody happens <clears throat> to know that history and why we specifically say the Cunard White Starline, because at one time they were actually two separate, they were actually competing um, shipping companies. That would make sense. So in the early 1900s. So like I just wanted Pepsi. to, I just wanted to, perfect. yeah, basically they were like, like ship lines. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Coke's better. They proved highly <laughs> profitable for Cunard as the company was renamed in 1947. On January 1st, 1949, Queen Mary ran around. Wow. <laughs> ran aground off. Sherberg. France, she was refloated the next day and returned to service. In 1958, the, church, the first transatlantic flight by a jet began a completely new era of competition for the Cunard Queens. On some voyages, winters especially, Queen Mary sailed into harbor with more crew than passengers. Though both she and Queen Elizabeth still averaged over 1,000 passengers per crossing into the middle, six, the middle 1960s, by 1965, the entire Cunard fleet was operating at a loss. Queen Mary was retired from service in 67, and on September 27th, she completed her 1,000th and last crossing of the North Atlantic, having carried two million, over 2 million passengers and over 3 million miles, almost four, under the command of Captain John Treasure Jones, who had been captain since 1965, she sailed from Southampton for the last time on Halloween with 1,093 passengers and 806 crew. After a voyage around Cape Horn, she arrived in Long Beach on the 9th of December. Yep, and that's where she still is to this day. We gotta go. Man, we gotta go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, this place is on my bucket list for sure. For sure. Um, I'll take over. Do you care? We, I'll go from here. Um, <laughs> no, because I can't fucking like, read. No! Um, <laughs> on May 8th of 1971, I don't know where that laugh, that was like a laugh cough. I apologize. That She's like, trying to chucky. That was like way deep in the gullet of my throat. <laughs> I'm like, I apologize. She's, she's Chucky Cackle. I don't know where here. that came from. We both watched um, Curse and Cult recently. So right? Was... So we're like, it's all about the Chucky in the last couple of days. It's been my comfort. Um, Seriously. On May 8th of 1971, Queen Mary opened her doors to tourists. Initially, only portions of the ship were open to the public, as specialty restaurants had yet to open in its dining venues, and PSA had not completed work converting the ship's original first-class staterooms into a hotel. As a result, the ship was only open on weekends. On December 11th of 1971, Jacques Cousteau's Museum of the Sea opened with a quarter of the planned exhibits completed. Within the decade, Cousteau's Museum closed due to low-ticket sales and the deaths of many fish that were housed in the museum. Oh, poor fishies. On November 2nd of 1972... All the people that died were just like, and they died. <laughs> and All they died. All the fish. All the fish died. The PSA Hotel Queen Mary opened its initial 150 guest rooms. Two years later, with all 400 rooms finished, PSA brought in Hyatt Hotels to manage, which operated from 1974 to 1980 as the Queen Mary Hyatt Hotel. By 1980, it had become apparent that the existing system was not working. The ship was losing millions each year for the city because the hotel, restaurants, and museum were run by three separate um, concessionaires, while the city owned the vessel and operated guided tours. It was decided that a single operator with more experience at attractions was needed. Jack Rather, a local millionaire, had fallen in love with the ship because he and his wife, Benita Granville, who was an actress at the time, had fond memories of sailing on it numerous times. Rather signed a 66-year lease 
with the city of Long Beach to operate the entire property. He oversaw the display of the Spruce Goose on long-term loan. The immense plane, which had been sitting in a hangar in Long Beach for decades unseen by the public, was installed in a huge geodesic dome adjacent to the liner in 1983, attracting increased attendance. Um, the Spruce Goose, guys, in case you aren't familiar with that, was a uh, Howard Hughes plane um, that was built and was supposed to be intended as a transatlantic flight transport during World War II. It was uh, called by Howard Hughes the H-4 Hercules, but because it was so big and wooden, it was nicknamed the Spruce Goose, and Howard Hughes actually hated that name, if anybody knows the history behind it. Um, watch The Aviator, incredible movie with... Uh, Kate Blanchett and Leonardo DiCaprio, and it's probably the best history you'd get about Howard Hughes, and it's also a really great movie. Um, but yeah, I just always thought that was kind of interesting that at one time back in the 60s, you could see uh, the Spruce Goose, or back in the 80s, rather, you could see the Spruce, because it stopped, it went out of commission in 1976. It actually never really flew but from the 80s, you could see the Spruce Goose and the Queen Mary right next to each other. I just thought that was kind of interesting at one time. Um, so Ratherport Properties, which was the name of Jack Rather's company, operated the entire attraction after his death in 1984 until 1988, when of all things, his holdings were bought by the Walt Disney Company. What? Biz Disney. <clears throat> Disney bought something else? Because they, they don't already buy everything. <laughs> we just thought that was a new thing. <laughs> they weren't always buying everything. <laughs> so it's actually interesting the way this story started. Disney's going to um, buy horror soon. So Jack Rather and Walt Disney at one time were friends. Um, and actually knew each other. and. Uh, so, oh, let me see here. I almost lost my place. I'm having really, um, really trippy deja vu right now, and I'm going to need it to fucking stop. Yeah, okay. You're like, <laughs> I don't know from where. I'm like, I got lost, and then you started getting deja, deja vu. Because I, I swear, um, like, me saying Disney's going to buy horror sometime, and then her saying that they were friends, I was like, my brain was like, this has happened. Like, wait, what? Um, so Rather built a hotel that he called the Disneyland Hotel in 1955 uh, when Walt Disney had insufficient funds to construct the hotel himself. Disney had been trying to buy the hotel for 30 years. When they finally succeeded, they also acquired the Queen Mary, and this was never marketed as a Disney property. So actually, Disney and Rather, Walt Disney and Rather were friends at one time, and Rather built a hotel right by Disneyland that he called the Disneyland Hotel and never, it was never owned by Disney though. And he stated, even though I don't believe it was ever in writing, that Walt Disney himself gave him permission to use the Disney name, even though Disney never owned it. So after Walt Disney died, the Walt Disney Company tried for years to buy back the Disneyland Hotel, especially even more so after Jack Rather died because it started to go into disrepair and they felt like it was kind of an eyesore because it had the Disney name but had nothing to do with Disney itself. So all of this kind of came to pass once they were able to uh, 
buy the hotel and then ultimately acquire the Queen Mary as a Disney property, even though it wasn't advertised as a Disney property. So throughout the 80s and early 90s, the Queen Mary started to struggle financially. So Disney pinned their hopes for turning the attraction into what they were to call it Port Disney. It was a huge planned resort adjacent to the dock. It was to include an attraction known as Disney Sea, a theme park celebrating the world's oceans. That plan eventually eventually fell through. In 1992, Disney gave up on the lease to the ship to focus on building what would become Disney California Adventure Park. Um, kind of a side note here uh, before I get into this. Well, real quick, uh, that that Disney Sea concept ended up going to uh, Japan. And they end up opening it up later on as Tokyo Disney Sea. So they recreated an ocean liner that looked like the Queen Mary that they called the SS Columbia, which was much smaller, but became the centerpiece to what they called the American waterfront area at Tokyo Disney Sea. But kind of an offshoot story. I, not me, per. <laughs> I really want to go to Japan. I mean, so. I, I did, as long as it's not anywhere near Fukushima. But anyway. That's like a totally different story, but, um, kind of a, kind of a side note to that. So, and we'll get into this later on, but one of the, some of the estate rooms, one in particular now more recently, that's purported to be haunted on the Queen Mary was tied into what was proposed as this Disney attraction in the late eighties and nineties. Part of the ship itself um, was supposed to be almost like a haunted cruise ship. And there were estate rooms that were outfitted to uh, be haunted cabin rooms, um, which some believe after this whole Disney plan fell through and these rooms were boarded off that a lot of that wasn't removed. And that could be part of the reason why people are reporting them being haunted because that could just be an attraction that was left over from when Disney owned it. So who knows? Because... Obviously, since then, there's been other purported activity besides these estate rooms. But I digress because we'll get into that later. Um, With Disney gone, the Hotel Queen Mary closed on September 30th of 1992. The owners of the Spruce Goose, the Aero Club of Southern California, sold the plane to the Evergreen Aviation Space Museum in Oregon. The plane departed on barges on October 2nd of 92, leaving the huge dome empty. Uh, the Queen Mary tourist attraction remained open for another two months, but on December 31st, 1992, the Queen Mary completely closed its doors to tourists and visitors. Oh, another quick story, too. Um, another big part of the reason why the uh, Disney theme didn't work with the ship is because they were trying to tie it to Disneyland and even offering people who had season passes with Disneyland free tickets to the Queen Mary and this Disney attraction there. But it was traveling from like Orange County to Long Beach. It just didn't work because they were kind of like on opposite sides, like an hour to get to either one, you know, if you're thinking commute wise. Um, so that was a big part of the reason why that didn't work. Uh, also that dome that the Spruce Goose was in, that's actually still there. A lot of music videos and movies have been shot there. So I think like a couple of the Mission Impossibles have been shot there. Some music videos have been shot there. So, cause it's a pretty, it's a pretty, I think even to be honest with you, I think it's, I think even some of the early X-Men movies were shot there. We'll have to look that up at some point. It's because it's still there. They're still using it as a mu- They're still using it as a soundstage. Huh. Uh, maybe X-Men or Avatar. One of them, one of them was shot there too. 
I think Avatar might have been too was used because it's pretty fucking big, and it's st- it's still there to this day. So they still use it as a movie soundstage. Huh. But I'm like, I cannot wait to go to California and see all that shit. I know, right? <laughs> to actually see it up close and personal. I need like two weeks in California, honestly. Oh, at least, <laughs> at, at least, especially around that area, at least that long. Um, so on February ninety three. RMS Foundation signed a five-year lease with the city of Long Beach to act as the operators of the property. The foundation was run by President and CEO John Prevratel, who had managed the attra- attraction for Jack Rather. On February 26th of 93, the tourist attraction reopened completely, while the hotel remained partially. Uh, the hotel reopened partially on March 5th, with the 125 rooms and the banquet facilities and the remainder of the rooms coming online by April 30th. In 1995, RMS Foundation's lease was extended to 20 years, while the scope of the lease was reduced to Operation the Ship, a new company um, abbreviated to QSDI, which stands for Queens Seaport Development Incorporated, was established in 95 to control the real estate adjacent to the vessel. In 98, the city of Long Beach extended the QSDI lease for 66 years. In 2005, QSDI sought Chapter 11 protection due to a rent credit dispute with the city. In 2006, the bankruptcy court requested bids from parties interested in taking over the lease. The minimum required an opening bid of $41 million. The operation of the ship by RMS Foundation remained independent of the bankruptcy. In the summer of 2007, Queen Mary's lease was sold to a group called Save the Queen, managed by Hostmark Hospitality Group. They plan to redevelop the land adjacent to Queen Mary and upgrade, when, renovate, and restore the ship. During their management, staterooms were updated with iPod docking stations and flat screen TVs, and the ship's three funnels and waterline area were repainted their original Cunard red color. The portside promenade deck planking was restored and refinished. Many of the lifeboats were repaired and patched, and the ship's kitchens were renovated with new equipment. Got those blenders. By the late September of 2009, I know I've got blenders on the right now, <laughs> management of the Queen Mary was taken over by Delaware North, who planned to continue restoration and renovation of the ship and its property. They were determined to revitalize and enhance the ship as an attraction, but in April 2011, the city of Long Beach was informed that Delaware North was no longer managing Queen Mary. Garrison Investment Group said that this decision was purely business. Delaware North continued to manage Scorpion, a Soviet submarine that had been a separate attraction next to the Queen Mary since 1998. I think I've actually seen that in pictures. There was a submarine next to it. Evolution was it Hospitality. Was a yellow one? No, it wasn't, which would have been hysterical, I'm actually. Sorry. Assumed Because <laughs> you know we all live in control. one of those. Well, the fact that it's a British steamliner would have made it even better if it was a yellow submarine. It just would have worked perfectly. If you don't get that reference, just... Whoa, we're not even going to go there. Nope. The Queen Mary on September 23rd, 2011. (laughs) With Garrison Investments leasing the Queen Mary at that time. In 2016, Urban Commons, which is a real estate company, assumed the lease to the Queen Mary. They revealed plans to extensively renovate the liner over the next year and redevelop the adjacent 45 acres of parking with a boutique hotel, restaurants, a marina, an amphitheater, jogging trails, bike paths, and possibly a huge Ferris wheel, all at a cost of up to $250 million. Um, So guys, this is when things starts getting sad. In the last couple of years, the ship has not been doing that great. 
In 2017, a report on the ship's condition was issued. The report noted that not only the hull, but also the supports for a raised exhibition area within the ship were corroding and that the ship's deteriorating condition left areas such as the engine room vulnerable to flooding. That's not good. Repairs were estimated at close to $300 million. In November of 2016, the city of Long Beach put up $23 million, which is really not even close to 300 toward addressing the Queen Mary's most vital repairs. John Kessler, economic and property development director for Long Beach said, we have a timeline in which the engineers believe they can complete these immediate projects. These are major challenges we can only address over time and it cannot be done at once. Political leaders in Scotland, the birthplace of the Queen Mary, called for then UK Prime Minister Theresa May to pressure the American government to fund a full repair of the liner in 2017. By 2018, the $23 million apportioned for repairs had run out, with 19 of the 27 urgent projects identified by a 2015 Marine survey completed as of September of last year. There were significant cost overrun overall, with the cost of fire safety repairs skyrocketing from the original estimate of $2,000 of $200,000 to $5.29 million. Two of the remaining eight issues identified in 2015 are considered critical. This also included the removal of the ship's lifeboats, with, which were rotting away and in danger of collapsing. So by October of 2019, which was just last year, the city of Long Beach warned Urban Commons that the company was failing to uphold its commitment to maintain and repair the Queen Mary and that it was accordingly in danger of defaulting on its 66-year lease agreement. Urban Commons responded with an updated plan for repairs, including the removal of the lifeboats at a cost between 5 to $7 million and new paintwork. As of December, it was announced that the city was reviewing the finances of Urban Commons to determine whether the city of Long Beach had received all revenues owed. So a lot of it just seems to keep going back and forth between the city of Long Beach and this Urban Commons company that has this 66-year lease that they've signed into um, to kind of who owes what money when it comes to repairs for the ship. But um, guys, if anybody hasn't visited this place... I urge you to go. It's just, I would, I was telling Casper before the podcast when I started doing the research and was reading about parts of the ship falling apart and all this money that they needed to fix it. It just made me so sad to think that one day the ship wouldn't be there. And now going into the parts of the hauntings and whatnot, if this, if this just keeps the place going and brings in more revenue, I'm all for it, whether you want to believe the ship is haunted or not. If it's what's bringing people in to visit it, let that get money in there and let that get numbers up because it's a piece of history that just does not need to be neglected and that we don't need to lose. Like, I would hate to see a place like that gone. I mean, it served in the war. It was a passenger ship. It held records. It's a historical place. It's like I said, it's one of the closest ties that we have to the Titanic or any of those Cunard or White Star Line ships that are left. They're all gone now. So it's a huge, huge critical piece of history that I would hate to lose. I would hate to lose. So I urge anybody that lives in the California area or anywhere close to visit as many times as you can. Take your kids. Uh, schools go there for field trips. And if you don't live anywhere close and you decide to go to California for a visit, make it a part of your visit. Specifically, make it a point to go there for a day and, and visit for 
even just a tour, even just a tour for an hour or so, even if you can't stay in one of the cabin rooms overnight, just make it a point to do what you can to visit a piece of history and give back and even donate money. You know, keep that place running. Keep it going. Like an Energizer Bunny battery. Yes, Keep it please. going and going. I don't want to see anything happen in this place. Um, so Casper has a story from someone who, um, you said is one of your Twitter followers that's actually been on the ship? Uh, yeah, she's she's been one of my followers since before the podcast. She followed me, Freddie's Muse. She's been around for quite some time. I love you, Spooky Lady SD. At Spooky Lady yes. Wait, I'm sorry. Spooky Lady. At Spooky Lady SD. <laughs> Fucked up your name. <laughs> I'm so um, sorry. She wrote an article on her trip, actually, and she includes some of the hauntings that she experienced. So I'm going to read her article, and then we'll get into a little bit of the history and the um, actual hauntings that have apparently occurred here. So she says, I am not a psychic or also thank you, Spooky Lady, by the way, for letting us use your article. I know you had um, mentioned that you wanted to share the article. So thank you for letting us share it on the podcast. I am not a psychic or a medium, though I have always felt a connection with spirits. I guess the best way to describe it would be that I am Claire, Claire Kinesian. I'm fucking that up. Oh, that was my stomach. <laughs> Good Jesus. It was a demon popping in the computer. Oh my God. Sorry guys, I had La Rose's. It was really good. Nobody from Ohio is going to know what that is, but sorry. Um, Claire Cognizant. Thank you. I'm like, I fucked that You're up like, bad. No, absolutely not. Hey guys, even though I can't fucking pronounce really big words, at least I know I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> And you ask for help. And I'm like, help. Occasionally, (laughs) everyone can tell I hate reading. It's like, (laughs) occasionally I get a bit of psychometric experience as well. I don't often talk to people about it simply because I'm not sure what the the reaction is going to be. But when I find people who understand, I feel relieved. You can read about the history of the Queen Mary at the ship's website, where you can also find out information about staying overnight in one of the guest suites. The Ghost and Legends tour gave me some interesting history of the ship, but to me it seemed a bit cheesy, but then I'm a bit biased. Wonder why. Our tour guide, Cliff, who looked like a magician, Penn Gillette, he and another guide, Sean, I almost said scene, Sean, scene let his... Scene Scene mean. Sorry. <laughs> Always. Always. Uh, let us through some of the ship's paranormal hotspots, as indicated by parapsychologists, and sort of a haunted house type of experience. Legend has it the daughter of a former passenger thought to be named Jackie died in the first class swimming pool. There's also a reportedly there's also reportedly a vortex in the dressing room off the side of the pool. Unfortunately, the dressing room isn't visible or accessible on the tour. I got some really weird vibes standing in the balcony above. At one point, the lights went out on purpose as part of the tour, which was a bit disappointing as we couldn't see anything, and I really wanted to get a good look at the pool. I'm not sure who or what was there, but I didn't like it. It felt cold and very heartless to me. We didn't get to spend as much time in that area as I would have, but I understood the tour had to continue. You know, it's really funny is that she feels that in the same spot that Jackie is in. Right. And I put quotations around Jackie because I don't, I'm very iffy as to if it's a little girl or not. Um... When she was a military ship, the Mary accidentally hit another ship called the 
Curacao? How do you pronounce that ship's name? Oh, Curacao. Okay. We stopped to hear about the accident that took many men's lives during the collision. Just before we were walking out, I felt something tug on my pant leg. I looked down to see if I had bumped into someone on the railing, but nothing was there. It didn't seem as though anyone could have been standing below the tour group in order to make it a part of the tour, but I guess it could have been. I didn't feel the spirits of any of the sailors who died on that ship. However, that's just my experience. The guides took us to a place where German sailors were kept as prisoners during World War II. It was hot in the space and could have been way hotter when the boilers were still in operation. The boilers were located near this area. Another place we visited was a hotel room that was closed due to guests close to guests due to the complaints of paranormal activity. Though I felt some negative energy in the room, it wasn't anything I would be concerned about. Being the ghost enthusiast that I am, I wish I had the opportunity to check out these areas without the aid of narrative. The music and effects that were added to the experience the music and the effects that were added to the experience. During the tour, a girl about eight years old got a bit scared. Sean kindly walked her and her family to the nearest exit so they could leave the tour. It's quite dark and difficult to see. It may not be for everyone, including younger children. After the tour, we walked all around the starboard side of the sun deck. We went up to the sports deck where passengers once played shuffleboard and sailors manned anti-aircraft guns. On the sun deck, we overlooked Long Beach Harbor, watching the sailboats, jet skis, and motorboats pass by. While we were standing on the balcony, I thought someone put their hand on my back. When I turned to look, no one was even near me. I smiled to myself, thinking maybe a ghostly sailor was flirting with me. <laughs> me, when I got my hair pulled. I was like, <laughs> oh, hey, a prison, a prisoner's <laughs> like, hey, are you the one girl? It's not a good way to flirt. <laughs> the wood floors and columns on the promenade deck. On the promenade deck? Promenade. Promenade. Parmesan are so shiny you could practically <laughs> see yourself in them. The deck has some lovely shops in the same places the shops would have been during the Mary's Cruise passenger days. I looked into the Queen's Salon, a large open room with lovely wooden columns and a small stage. A lot of weddings and parties are held on this ship. At the bow of the promenade deck is a lovely art deco lounge. It was simply gorgeous. The wood and silver gleamed and the whole atmosphere made me think of Nick Carraway from The Great Gatsby. I got the distinct feeling of being watched while in the lounge, however. There were only a few people in it, and they were at a distance, and busy talking to one another without even noticing us. I walked all around the port left side, where there were more shops and pictures of famous people who had been on the ship. Another eerie sight was the lone propeller left on the Mary. It's below the water, so, so a small building has been made to enclose it. When you're standing on the catwalk around the opening, you can see the hull of the ship and the propeller. Spotlights cast a weird glow to the propeller, making it look like a ghost itself. The water is a greenish blue. The water is a greenish blue, and it's hard to see where the level of water is unless you look at the hull. It's very weird. The... I'm sorry, the the, we, the way this is written looks weird against this picture, so I'm like, how is this, what is, the, is it <laughs> aft steering room? Is that what that says? Yeah. Okay, because yeah. the way it looks like that, I'm like, the after steer, the aft. You're like, <laughs> what? Um, the aft steering room was kind of small, and I'm not a claustrophobic person. Yeah, aft means towards the stern. So this is speaking in ship terms if people don't understand. What yeah, I'm not. Is. I'm not mostly in You're ship like, no, terms. No, 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 I don't understand. It's a bullship. <laughs> it's gazebos. It's bullship. Bullship. Pardon me, I just spit all over my phone screen. <laughs> 
Um, I'm not a claustrophobic person, but there was something about that space that gave me the heebie-jeebies. Someone was very possessive of that space and did not like having civilian company. I wanted to get out of there ASAP. Later, I saw an episode of The Haunting Of with psychic medium Kim Russo, and she visited the Mary and had a very same ex- similar experience in the same place. Holy guacamole! I love you. You're great. The hotel part of the ship is quite lovely. The front desk is large and the foyer is welcoming. I didn't get to see inside of of the regular guest rooms, but they look nice on Mary's website. There are lots of historical exhibits on the ship. These include recreations of the ship's original staterooms, examples of the dining rooms available for the passengers, pieces of original dinnerware, fabrics, and menus from the ship. One of the most interesting exhibits and memorabilia from the ship's maiden voyage. There were videos showing the ship during her active service, both as a cruise ship and as a military ship. While we were walking through the decks, I met a ship employee who was polishing the brass on a railing near the elevator. He said he'd worked there for several years and he'd seen a number of unexplained incidents. He didn't seem to be phased by it, though. I wish we had more time to talk with him, but I knew he was working and didn't want to get him into trouble. The only problem that day was the memory card for my digital camera died. And I couldn't find the flash for my phone camera, so I didn't get any photos. But thankfully, I'm not too far away to go back and visit again. If you have the chance to go to the Mary, it's definitely a treat. You never know if you might come in contact with the ghost outside the Ghost and Legends Tour. Yes, I would say there are ghosts on the ship. However, they are not always where they're supposedly at, which makes things interesting. The Mary also offers a separate paranormal tour with dinner included. (laughs) Fuck. Dinner and ghosts? Sign me up. (laughs) God, that's like my dream. Yeah, food and ghost. I'm dinner I'm and ghost. Pretty much, I'm pretty much set. Like dinner and a show, meh. Dinner and ghost, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Information can be obtained on the ship's site. Uh, the TAPS team from Ghost Hunters also visited the Queen Mary. And then she includes an episode recap. So seriously, thank you, spooky lady. That was pretty cool. Cool that you had some experiences on there as well. Because some people claim it isn't haunted and... You know, it's, it's nice to hear it from someone you actually know that experienced something. Yeah, like I said, I always I always like to listen to people who have had their own personal experiences in places like that. Because a lot of times, um, things aren't captured on camera. Or things aren't captured audio. Things are only captured by personal experiences. And everybody's personal experience is going to be different. Um... And yeah, that was something I wanted to mention. That was funny that she did say that the Kurokawa was a light cruiser ship that in 1942, the Queen Mary accidentally sank. Um, It was one of her escort ships during the war. She sliced right through the ship um, and it was carrying, uh, I think, over 300 men and 239 died. So... um, yeah, I was glad she actually mentioned that because that didn't go in our notes and that was a pretty significant part of uh, history, even though it didn't result in any deaths directly on the Queen Mary. There was a pretty huge loss of life on that ship specifically. Um, but I did think that was interesting that she did mention something about the, um, you know, before we get into room uh, B340 that I mentioned about one of the state rooms, I did want to go over. Real quickly, since Jackie, the Jackie story, um, because that seems to be the most prevalent one. And that was the one that was mentioned the most on the uh, Ghost Adventures episode of the Queen Mary. I think that was the first episode of season 10. Um, 
It was the episode where they mentioned um, psychic Peter James, who was a uh, very famous psychic medium for several years, several decades, rather, over 30 years. I had heard about him quite a bit when I was a kid. Um, he actually ended up passing away in 2007, but um, throughout his time as a uh, psychic investigator, I think he visited the Queen Mary something like 30 to 50 times. Yeah, it's um, he spent a lot. It was a lot, a lot of times, and it was believed that he made direct contact with actually two separate little girls. So even though the Jackie story, um, you know, your friend mentioned it. She was mentioned on the Ghost Adventures episode. She's mentioned uh, on the Queen Mary website directly. there was actually two separate stories of two little of two separate little girls. So um, the one Jackie, her name was Jacqueline Torin, apparently, and she was said to be about five or six years old and believed to have drowned in the second class pool near near what is now known as the Royal Theater area. Um, Jackie likes to actually play in both pool areas of the ship. So we mentioned that there were two pools. Um, And she's also said to have been wandering the ship for the past 60 years. And this is all according to Peter James, who made contact with her. She can also be heard singing, laughing, giggling, calling for her mommy and daddy, and even audibly answering questions. Um, There was footage shown specifically on that Ghost Adventures episode of a video of Peter James that was taken where you actually do hear audio commentary of him making direct contact with this quote unquote Jackie spirit. Um, it's definitely a little girl's voice. It's pretty creepy. Now I also found several other websites that mention a little girl named Sarah, who was believed to be six to eight years old. Um, she drowned in the pool in 1949. Again, according to Peter James, um, Some believe that they're the same girl. Some believe that they're two different girls and that the Jackie spirit actually guards the Sarah spirit. Some believe that Jackie and Sarah were both actually murdered when they were both drowned in the pool. Um, And this could have been done by a ghost that's known as Grumpy. Um, I didn't directly mention him in the notes, but he seems to be a spirit that's been mentioned quite a bit on the Queen Mary. He growls a lot. That's what he's noticed for. He's always around the swimming pools and he's constantly growling at people. So that's why he's known as this entity called Grumpy. Um, and that's why it's believed that he could somehow be connected to the Jackie and Sarah ghosts because he's around the swimming pool as well. Um, Sarah can also be heard singing as well as Jackie. Um, she can also be known to be temperamental and even aggressive at times that she will actually slap visitors and that even Peter James himself said that he was slapped by Sarah. Um, I personally believe there are no, so like I said, Sarah has never been mentioned on any of the shows that I watch. It was just Jackie. That's been specifically mentioned on ghost adventures and some other sites, including the queen Mary site, but there's been no substantial evidence that a little girl named Jacqueline Torin ever drowned on the ship or any little girl ever drowned on the ship for that matter. The current acting captain of the ship even mentioned to Zach on that Ghost Adventures episode that there was no drowning. Any reported drowning 
during the time that she was a passenger liner that the Queen Mary ever had any drowning in either pools, let alone be two little girls. Now, during that episode, some of the paranormal investigators believed that this was not the spirit of a little girl. And as many of you may know, if you've listened to past episodes, our past episode that we specifically did about demons and ghosts and the differences between that discussed by Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, if you've watched other paranormal shows, uh, and they've talked about specifically mentioning demons and demonic contact. Demons will mimic the sound of children, specifically the sounds of little girls. They'll even show up in the image of a small child or a little girl, and they are masking themselves as demons. They are showing you the most innocent of the innocent to lure you in. So if they could come to you as a child, either audibly or visually, you're more prone to make contact with them because you're going to be more trusting of a child versus a demonic spirit. So I believe that Sarah and Jackie don't even exist. If there's never been any circum, if there's never been even circumstantial evidence, no evidence whatsoever that any child, let alone a little girl, let alone a little girl named Jackie or Sarah, let alone whatever, two little girls. Yeah. Let alone two separate little girls ever drowned on the ship. I'm more likely to believe that anybody that's ever made contact with a little girl or heard a little girl's voice is actually hearing a demonic spirit. Also, or a demon a... rather, because demons and spirits are different. But I'm saying you're, they're, they're hearing a demon. You're if, hearing a demon. If there's a fucking spirit named Grumpy who keeps growling, growling is a, usually a pretty solid indication of a demonic spirit. I do understand you will get the occasional male spirit that's angry that will growl, but it's a different sound. Obviously, you can tell a difference between a guttural human growl, like a kind of like thing, and a fucking gremlin, my precious growl, like one of those stupid things. Um, I think that all of like all of this is actually a I think it's probably a demon. One demon um especially if they say like one is guarding the other it's very possible if you're hearing two at once maybe there is the spirit of a child. Maybe maybe there's the spirit of a child on the ship. It's very possible and maybe the demon is not letting the child come forward. Um Especially for it to be aggressive at times. Maybe there is no child at all. And maybe it's just two demons. Worse than one. <laughs> so I just, I don't know if I believe any any child is on that ship. Especially for someone to go on that ship and go in that room and feel very uncomfortable. So clearly there's something there that's not good. Yeah, the only time I've ever heard of any murder actually happening on that ship that was actually substantiated was where a man murdered, went crazy and murdered his sister. Or sister-in-law. Mm. Sister or sister-in-law. What about the... Well, they never actually figured that was a murder. That The guy that died in the door. Yeah. That um, wasn't actually a... That wasn't... I don't believe that was a murder. I think that's that was probably a accident. freak. I think that was just a freak accident. I don't. I don't think that was a murder because there was nobody there except for who found his body later. Um. So, well, we'll just get into that one real quick to jump around. But uh, his name was actually John Petter. Uh, this is actually another huge area of the ship because this actually did really happen. 
Um, and this is a huge area of the ship that's haunted that sees a lot of activity. And this is probably the most tragic that could actually be substantiated. Um, it happened on July 10th of 1966. Uh, a man by the name of John Petter, he was 18 at the time, he was a fireman and cleaner, was crushed to death by the watertight door 13 aboard uh, the Queen Mary. According to the ship's log, he had joined the crew on March 30th of that year and was engaged in bilge pumping duties at the time of the accident. Petter was caught in the door at around 3.55 a.m. and found by a refrigeration greaser named Cripps shortly after. There were no witnesses to the accident, but the officers on duty were immediately notified by the undoubtedly startled crew member. The only sign of trauma was a bit of blood trickling down the nose, as well as the fact that he was turning blue due to lack of oxygen. The young man was removed from the door and placed on the deck by the time the night sister arrived on the scene. She was unable to determine whether or not he was alive, so he was administered morphine and pronounced dead upon the arrival to the ship's hospital. His ghost has been reported in the starboard side of Shaft Alley since that tragic day. Ghosts, or guests rather, to the Queen Mary have reported seeing a young bearded man wearing a white boiler suit in the area, sometimes looking for a wrench, likely the one he had been used to manually open watertight door 13 when he was killed. Tour guides have been reported weird activity in the area, ranging from shadows to knocking sounds. Yeah, so that that was the area where they caught the apparition on yeah, the Queen Mary on wasn't the it? Ghost Adventures, on Ghost Adventures episode, yeah. the full body apparition, which could have also been a shadow people. Those have been reported on the ship as well, and in, in various parts of the ship. Um, one of the most famous rooms, which is actually mentioned directly on the Queen Mary's website, to stay in. If you even stay in the room you're given a crystal ball and a Ouija board. And that's how much they really like to push on you that this room is haunted. It's room B340, arguably one of the most notoriously haunted locations on the ship, known for much paranormal activity, is stateroom B340. The paranormal occurrences stem from a horrid event or so it's said. Um, now, none of this event is substantiated. Like I mentioned, the only time... Um, this story that was taken back from the 1960s states that a man went crazy on a final transatlantic flight um, and murdered two women. I heard that it was just either his sister or his sister-in-law. Um, but his crimes were discovered, and he. this is how the story goes, this story particularly, um, was that he actually went crazy and murdered two random women. When his crimes were discovered, he locked himself in his third-class stateroom, which was either B-22-2, B-224, or B-226. The door was locked, and a guard was posted outside. A little while later, he started pounding on the door, saying someone was inside the room trying to kill him. The guard ignored him, thinking this was a ruse to escape. After a while, the passenger quieted down, and the guard just figured he went to sleep. The next day, when the ship arrived in New York, the crew summoned New York police detectives and they went to apprehend the murderer. When they opened the door to his stateroom, now this is all supposed, this was all a story, they found that the man had been ripped apart and his entrails and limbs were spread all over the room. And that there was no way this, that he could have done this to himself. Upon the next sailing, the paranormal report started to come in from that specific stateroom. When it was docked, in Long Beach in 1967, 
the three third-class staterooms were all combined into one larger guest room, now called B340, and the reports of paranormal activities continued. By the 80s, B340 was closed due to booking because guests would leave in the middle of the night. That's how I first heard of, this is the person that wrote the story, of the stateroom itself being haunted. And over the years, there's been variations of that original story of the man going crazy and brutally murdering two women. It was said that he killed his family in the in that cabin specifically, um, or that the story was flipped and it was a woman killed her husband, a husband killed his wife, or just a lone passenger slit his own throat. Um, so many of the stories, the list goes on and on. Uh, but for some reason, nobody can trace exactly what happened. And the ship's records show nothing happening in any of those three rooms prior to them being converted to room uh, B340. Now, like I said, the only substantiated murder that actually took place on the ship, I believe sometime around the 1960s when this rumor started, was of a man that went crazy. And again, either I think was his sister or his sister-in-law that he murdered. Uh, but that was never tied to any of the staterooms. He was never locked in any, in any of the rooms. The guy lived. He was arrested later. Um, but that story about, you know, him being locked in the room, they go back to find him later. He's dead, ripped apart. That could be one of those things about the wormholes. You know, there's been talk about that there's vortexes on the ship that, you know, your the lady in your story had mentioned. So who knows? Again, this story has not been substantiated. Um, none of the other stories have really been substantiated. So this could all be rumors. Um, but this leads back to what I was saying originally about Disney owning the ship at one time and originally outfitting parts of the ship as like a haunted cruise and could have been specifically using uh, B222, 224, and 226 for these haunted estate rooms. And once they were all closed up after the late eight or after the early 90s, they could have left a lot of that in there. And then when it was completely outfitted to room B340, um, like this woman in this book, uh, Spirited Queen Mary, her name is Nicole Strickland, she links. The legend, like I mentioned, all back to employees of the Walt Disney Company, which owned the hotel at the time, um, stating that a few cast members wanted to scare guests who were asked about one of the yet unfinished rooms that was unavailable for bookings due to renovations. And that's how the legend went from there. So all of this could have been a manufactured story led on to attractions that were put in the room that was originally started with Disney wanting to make this some type of haunted cruise attraction. Um, but anyway, there's still been tales of psychokinetic uh, energy going on in the rooms, um, which again could be something linked to this vortex thing that people have talked about, manifestations of spirits. Um, uh, people to this day have talked about covers being pulled off of them, clothes hangers rattling in the closet, footsteps being heard, knocks on the door. Um, the room itself didn't recently open up again until April of 2018 to actually open up to guests to actually stay in it. So I'll stay in it. I 
I don't believe that room specifically is haunted. I don't like the fact that there's a Ouija board in the room. They can get that oh, the fuck out of there. Oh, that I don't want to stay in it? No well, that's fine. something that comes with the room. Now the room, now they play more, They the big attraction of the room now is playing directly into these supposed rumors that we went over that the room is haunted. So, for instance, they've got, right when you walk into the room, there's this big chest on the bed that's got a Ouija board in it and instructions on how to use it. It's got a candle. It's got a crystal ball. So when just you walk do a seance. The bathroom, when you walk into a bathroom, going back to our last podcast episode a couple weeks ago, there's instructions on the mirror in the bathroom on how to do Bloody Mary. All in this estate room. So they're really playing into the haunted effects of this room specifically. I don't believe this room is haunted. I'm kind of buying into that this could probably be a rumor that was just started and played up with the Disney attraction stuff. Um, not saying that the ship itself isn't haunted. Again, there's been substantiated that was substantiated that a guy murdered somebody, but it had nothing to do with that room. Um, and the John Petter Peter death, that really happened. So we know. He's haunting the ship specifically. Um, but I don't know if I'm buying so much into the room. Um, and again, the little girls in the pool, I don't believe they're little girls. I firmly believe that they're demons, but that's just me. Um, real quick, too, before we One head off. More time. There's a, um, another, so there's been like so many reports of different spirits all throughout the ship. Um, but really... Uh, a lot of them all centralized to just random shadow people. Um, and this is in all different parts of the ship where people will see them day and night. Um, people have photographed them. Um, again, going back to that Ghost Adventures episode where you had the full body apparition, that could have been John Petter. It could have also been another spirit that's been named on the ship known as John Henry. Um or it could just have been one of these random shadow people that people have been seeing on there forever. Um, some people think they're interdimensional beings. Some people think they're ghosts. Some people think they're demons. Some people have described them as being a complete and total black silhouette or even looking like a black shadow, looking like they may have a black hood or robe on. Um, some of them... The man in black. I know, right? <laughs> some of them are tall or thinner uh so Slenderman. Silhouettes or smaller hooded silhouettes. Um, some of them will even have like kind of a smoky effect after a shadow or even a shimmering effect. Maybe almost like an oil slick if they're seen from a, like out of the corner of your eye. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think the most definitive one was that Ghost Adventures episode. Cause like how that, cool was that, that though was where he the, just didn't even mean to catch that. He was just setting up his camera. Just happened to be setting it up. Just happened to walk past the doorway. And the crazy thing about that one was, is that we're from the one side of the room to the other side of the room past this doorway that this apparition walked, there was nowhere for it to go. No. It wasn't like it walked in from one room and then walked out another room. This was just a regular room there was nowhere to walk in or walk out from so that was the biggest thing that made no sense and there was nobody there and yeah i mean that's funny he's like nick where the fuck are you that was yeah that to me 
still even to this day, was probably one of the scariest Ghost Adventures episodes I had ever seen. I, I don't remember a lot about Ghost Hunters episodes being there, but I think the Ghost Adventures episode stands out the most because of that apparition, because that was fucking insane. That was crazy. That was really crazy. And, and completely unexplainable. They don't know where or how or what could have happened to it, so... Move your arm. What? Okay. Yeah, I know. My shadow over there. You're like, wait a minute, am I seeing shadow people or is that your I, shadow? I like, looked over and saw your arm moving. Like, I saw movement in the TV and I was like, move your arm. <laughs> flailing my it was, arms it was in the you. air. It was your flailing Flailing arm. my arms in the air. Um, but yeah, that guys, that's all we have on the Queen Mary. Um, I'm glad we gave a lot of history about the ship. That ship... It Has just, sailed. Literally and figuratively. Um... We need we need to visit. Everybody needs to go. Everybody needs to see it. We need to take him. If not for the history, see some ghost, see some spirit, see some shadow people, hear some growls, hear some kids. Here, here's and some growls. Pool, hear some growls and hear some kids. Here's some kids. Hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husbands. <laughs> <laughs> From this giant fucking ship. That ship has sailed. I'm here all night, folks. Everybody's like, we got it. <laughs> okay, guys. So I feel really stupid right now because I'm like, what are we doing next week? You're like, I don't know what's happening. We're in a like, whole I new don't know. month, guys. Janu- Listen, guys. January has been the longest year of my life. I don't understand. That meme I saw the other day, like, it's already been five months and we're still in January. I'm just like, yeah. Last January didn't seem this long, but this January... I feel like every January feels like this. It's like you don't even know what to do with your life the beginning of the year. Because it's literally like (laughs) the beginning of the year, the beginning of the decade, the beginning of everything. (laughs) Like, it's a new month, new year, new decade, new life. (laughs) And it's going to last for an entire year. Also, there are certain movie trailers I never want to see ever again. Ever. Ever. Um, next month, yeah, guys. So we're doing the, again, this goes back to another Ghost Adventures episode. We always came to, seem to come back around to old Zach. Um, the Haunted Hollywood sign in California. So if uh, There's a specific most of you guys, reason why we're doing this, though. Yeah, you guys, a lot of people may be familiar with the story of the, um, in Griffith Park, the Hollywood sign uh, being haunted specifically from the letter H. There was a woman who killed herself um, jumping off the letter H and now still haunts that area. It was the closet. But um, I'm going to need your I have, to calm down. <laughs> you're like, stop everything. Um, the woman who actually did it, a lot of people don't know her history. Her name was Peg Entwistle, and she is actually buried here, uh, not Far from this house, actually, in a little cemetery in Glendale, Ohio. Um, she has some connections to the Cincinnati, Ohio area, which is kind of crazy. But she ultimately ended up in Hollywood and then met a very, very unfortunate, tragic fate um, and still haunts that area to this day. So, um, yeah, I like to give it'll be really interesting to give some history um, about her specifically, because a lot, a lot of people know her story. Um, but a lot of people are familiar with that haunting. 
I think so. it's pretty wild that she's buried here. That's 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 what I'm like because I remember when I watched that Ghost Adventures episode, it was very interesting, obviously. And then when you said she was buried here, I was like, "Bitch, what?" Yep, I've been to her grave a couple of times. Not um, not many people know. There's there was a uh, historical society that actually raised money several years ago to even give her a headstone. Um, she's buried with her father. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into more history about it next week, but it's just a really interesting story to have a tie in to our hometown. Um, and again, like I said, a lot of people know the haunting, but they don't know the story behind it. And it was a really, it was a suicide, basically, you know, that's, that's, that in itself is tragic. So, um, again, her name is Peg Entwistle. This will be about her and the Haunted Hollywood sign next week. Um, the month of February is going to be good. I'm excited about what we're doing. It's we a have a surprise. It's a short month, but it's going to be a fun month. And we're excited. We have so. a surprise. Chucky's so dancing. Chucky's dancing. You should be dancing. <laughs> yeah. God, I love this fucking thing. Okay, guys. Now a word from our small Sarah. Calm your body down. Stop. No. Um, <laughs> she left and came back. <laughs> yeah, I left for a minute. That's like, can I speak to your manager? Stop. Okay. I am the manager. How you doing? I am the manager. Um, guys, if you have been checking out the uh, social media on the Instagram, um, the white chocolate bath bombs. Oh my god, they smell incredible. I love them. You smell incredible all the time. It's because I smell like a chocolate bath. Um, but the I know a lot of people still are wondering about the rosewater ones. They will be coming. They are going to be available next week. Um, in time for Valentine's Day, they're going to be a great Valentine's Day gift for sure. Um, but even the chocolate ones. I mean, I still think there'll be a big hit for everybody. They smell incredible also leaving your skin silky smooth just like our regular bath bombs um bath bombs are five bucks we've got the new body cream for three dollars the honey body cream smells incredible too um very smooth uh very great for this time of year with the winter weather and um just keeping your skin from getting chapped and everything those are three bucks the bath bombs are five um, again, the Rosewater ones will be coming next week. Everything has free shipping on the Etsy shop. Shop, ship, shop, ship, shop, ship, ship, shop, shape, ship, shop, ship, 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 when you start making SpongeBob references and you start getting slap happy, this is when you know you got to go. Um, so go hey, to the Etsy shop like and <laughs> no, I'm just saying I I get it, but it's like this is when we know we're hitting that like okay, I'm done. I have hit that wall. I'm officially done. This is over. Snack. I don't want to talk anymore. Um, <laughs> go to Etsy.com, search "Calm Your Body Down," buy all the things and all the stuff. Um, and keep checking back to the Instagram page for all new information. And thanks again, guys. Calm your body down. <laughs> I was waiting for your laugh because it was an laugh. <laughs> Got it. Um, Our friend Mindy just texted me. They just added Freddy Krueger to 
It's you. You were guessing yep. who it was. It was him. She's excited. Shout out to Mindy. Thanks, Mindy, for being so awesome. And congrats on your Robert England ad. He's amazing. If anybody ever gets a chance to meet that motherfucking man, do it. Just so you guys aren't randomly wondering where either. Um, it's a convention called Still City Con that's in Pennsylvania. Yep. Um, he's going to be coming to the uh, Horror Hound in Cincinnati in March. Um, he's been booking a lot of cons yep, we've, recently. We've met him already several years ago separately, but, uh, met him several years ago. And if you are a Freddie fan, you definitely need to put it on your bucket list. He just, he's a great guy, a great meet. Um, he's one of those, like everybody's grandpa kind of guy. He's just so nice. But yeah, for sure. If you're a Freddie fan, he's definitely one to meet. Um, before we get into the socials real quick, guys, I just want to mention that, um, we were, we were going over the Patreon, uh, we are definitely going to have that up and running sooner rather than later. Uh, we're going to put all the finishing touches into it next month um, so that we'll have it up and running. Um, we will each be giving separate content. Um, Casper will be doing video games. I will be doing my true crime related to conspiracies. Um, we are only going to be posting those once a month to our Patreon su subscribers because, guys, we do this once a week. It takes a lot of content and um, a lot of research just to get all of these episodes pumped out. So to take on another venture like Patreon, we've decided to just kind of space it out. So we've only got the Patreons once a month, but they are going to be exclusive content just to the Patreon subscribers. And it's going to be something different. It's going to be tied into horror, but it's definitely going to be something different than what we've been doing on the podcast itself. So it's one, it's something that we it's going to be a passion project. It's something that we are really excited about doing. Um, we'll start off on a low end with our Patreon subscribers, but we're going to offer some really awesome gifts. Um, stickers, if you guys remember, those are going to be one of the first gifts on the lower, lower Patreon tier. Um, then we'll offer magnets from there on the higher Patreon tier. Um, shirts, totes, other gifts will come much, much, much later on. So we're just going to start it kind of low ball to just kind of get the ball running and, and see how it goes from there. But we know you guys are going to be excited about this. And it's something that we really heavily started talking about the end of last year that we are finally going to get up and running, uh, next month and then be bringing content to you in the next couple months. So we just thank you guys for all your continued support. And we cannot wait to get this Patreon up and running because it is going to be so awesome. Um, also, it takes a long really time think... to play a game. So <laughs> some horror games literally will last two hours and some like, what was that one I played? Paranormal. I think it was called Paranormal Activity or something like that. It took me like two hours. And then you have other games like Resident Evil Biohazard that I still am doing. And it's been a long time. Of course, then again, I haven't been playing it fervently, but it I played it for three days, um, about two to three hours each night and still not done with it. So it, sometimes it takes a long time to get a game out. So there probably will be episodes where I'll cover an entire game and probably episodes where I'll half, I'll kind of half it because some games just are a lot involved especially resident evil god resident evil are like really involved so yeah and dead space and bioshock god fucking bioshock i can't wait to play that again <laughs> but we just wanted to let you guys know um because we 
have been heavily talking about that and can't wait to get into it, but we want to make sure that we take our time. Yes. Um, so yeah, just wanted to throw that out there, but. So we've officially hit 1500 subs on Podbean. Damn. Right. Thank you to all of our new listeners. You guys rock. Our old listeners, you guys rock. Everybody rocks. We're just (laughs) a bunch of rocks. So here, if you would like to follow us on social media, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please give us a follow. Make sure to spell it out to the T or you will not find us. Um, Also, the Twitter handle is DFWTO8811. If you have any questions, concerns, or just like to say hey, please email us at DFWTO8493 at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to follow our actual podcast and know when we put out new episodes... Because every time I always say videos, fucking videos, podcast, pod, be. So you did good. You were like episodes, not videos. Episodes, not videos this time, bitch. (laughs) Podcast player, podcast addicts, cast box, pod, bean, and Spotify. Make sure to give us a follow and you will always get a notification when we put out new content. We will see you guys next week. Have an awesome end of January. Thank fucking God it is over. Finally over. Over. Okay, go boy.